So, Amanda, I feel like I've been duped. <laughs> I I feel okay, like you I feel so like was... <laughs> you've duped me because I've said I don't want to do Twilight so many times that instead this you is... found literally the closest thing to Twilight you could possibly <laughs> get with a spooky theme. That is that is the most ridiculous thing you've okay, ever said. You're a me. liar. I... You're a straight up liar. You're lying. <laughs> There was, I will admit, there was a moment where I was reading this book and I was like, oh no, what have I done? And then I was watching this movie and I was like, oh no, what have I done? And by the end of it, I was back on board. I'm here to defend practical magic to my dying uh, breath. I am here for it. You, I, you definitely tricked me. You've definitely tricked me. Hey everyone, welcome to Adaptive for Your Viewing. My name is David and I watch too many movies. And my name is Amanda and I read too many books. We are brother and sister and this is our podcast for nerds where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on and tell you which one is worth consuming. Yep, and today we will be talking about Practical Magic, including the 1995 novel by Alice Hoffman, the 1998 movie directed by Rob Griffin Dunn. The Owen sisters are two beautiful witches. Hang on to your husbands, girls. With one wicked problem. She has the worst taste in men. Any man they fall for falls victim to a deadly curse. Any man who wins the heart of an Owens woman is bound to end up six feet under. And as hard as they try. Oh my God! They can't keep their loves. I feel like I'm never going to see you again. Look out! Alive. I'll be honest, I'm really excited to talk about this. (laughs) (sighs) That's... Yeah, this let's just feels, let's just go. Let's just go. Nope. This feels like a phantom from my childhood that I forgot about, and now I get to experience it all over again. Like I have not talked to any adult person about this movie ever in my life. Let's let's just get through it. Let's just get through it together. <laughs> so if you are unfamiliar, um, don't worry. We'll be doing a spoiler-free chat for the first half of our episode. And if you are familiar or don't super care about spoilers on this incredible 90s book and movie adaptation, then stick around. So real quick, we are going to give you a brief summary on the story. So the story of Practical Magic centers on the Owen sisters, Sally and Jillian, uh, who have a strange upbringing with their eccentric aunts after their parents pass away. The, the rumors about their family in the small Massachusetts t- town are all true. They're all witches. But that doesn't mean that they're necessarily to blame for everything going wrong in the town. Uh, as the sisters grow older, they fall into two different lives. Jillian travels the world and meets as many new people as she can and falls in love over and over again. And Sally uh, is very practical and she has only fallen in love once and settled down with her husband and two kids. But then Sally's husband passes away and Jillian accidentally kills her abusive boyfriend and the two come together to solve all their problems. And I'm very proud of this joke with a little help from Practical Magic. (laughs) So, David, do you have any experiences whatsoever at all with this movie? Uh, Absolutely not. Uh, It seemed spooky when you said when you showed it to me. And, you know, when I read like a rough plot summary of it, or like, you know, back of the book type of deal, it did seem to click in terms of like the time it was made because there was this like weird obsession in like the late 90s to early 2000s with witches. I mean, between like like, like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and stuff like that. Halloween Town. Uh, Uh, just but yeah yeah it just like i I was well aware of like spooky witch content from around that era so like initially i was like yeah this seems great like let's get into it uh how about you what's your experience with this i i was very young when this came out uh so obviously did not see it in theaters but it was something that was always on on like tnt and stuff in the background like the chopped up with commercials version of it and so Mm I vividly remember like clips of it being in commercials and yeah, I, I watched it when I was very young. I must've been like in my maybe like a tween, maybe. Um, there was like this period of time where I also was like very into like witch movies and stories and stuff. And so like, I really loved, have you ever seen Teen Witch? Do you know that movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) I loved that movie so much. And this was kind of like in line with that. 
And I loved the two sisters a lot. I loved like this little world um, that they cre- – I love the aunt's house very much. Uh, and I don't know why something about this like really resonated with me as like a young um, – <laughs> Just like a young girl, I thought this was super cool. Uh, but I I don't even know if like I watched it with anybody. Like I don't know mm-hmm. if our parents would have watched it with me or like even like – There's no way. There's <laughs> no way back then. During that era for our parents, That's very zero true. chance that they were like, yes. oh, let's all as a family watch Practical Magic. <laughs> they were still like very – this was probably like before I discovered Harry Potter and so and they were very against Harry Potter too. So it was like a time where I wanted – stories about magic but also about like real problems and this for some reason like hit the right note with me so I I very much remember watching this anytime it was on tv uh but honestly yeah I don't think I've ever had an adult like a conversation with another person about this movie yeah I feel like back then there was like this weird like feedback loop with like which themes and magic themes where it's like there was like a couple things that came out with that and then there was such a huge backlash that like every like spooky thing had witches in it yeah like everything (laughs) like even like scooby-doo movies my favorite scooby-doo movie has has is the one with the witch sisters love that that one's really good so like there's a lot of good witch content from this era that i feel like we could talk about even in another episode but yeah Let's uh was, let's so, move on to oh go on. Yeah, I was just, I was very excited to find out that this was based off of a book and I honestly haven't thought about it since I was a tween and I really wanted to go and revisit it. Uh so, so let's talk I'm about that book I facts tricked then. you into reading this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really did. Let's talk about some book facts then. Honestly, there is next to no book facts out about this adaptation, <laughs> which is crazy because when like a book to movie adaptation comes out, usually they like interview the author. Mm-hmm. Um, but the author, Alice Hoffman, I think was maybe too busy. She is she churns out books like no other. She has been writing since the 70s and she averages a book a year. So like Stephen King level. She keeps on returning to the world of practical magic, which is I had no idea. So she actually came out with a prequel in 2017 about the two ants, which I might check out because the ants are my favorite characters. Um, And this year in October, so in just a few weeks, she is coming out with a another book in the series, not like a direct sequel or prequel, but Mm -hmm. about a book about Maria Owens, who's the Owens matriarch, uh, who's mentioned in the original story, who was accused of witchcraft in Salem in the 1600s. She has written several screenplays and uh, books that have been turned into movies. And the only one I recognize, first of all, one of them is called Independence Day, which is not the Independence Day. It was very, (laughs) I like clicked on, I'm like, ooh, she wrote Independence Day, different Independence Day. Um, But she wrote a little um a little kid story called aquamarine which was adapted <laughs> for film uh which the wingert family knows very well because it was played almost nonstop for our youngest sister in our house i, th- I think we i did not realize aquamarine was an adaptation i actually yeah. think we should absolutely do it because we have no it's so we bad. have I we have so much family history associated with this movie that I we feel do. like we we have to do it and I I have a couple stories about it that I think we can save for that episode. I can't believe <laughs> I'm saying this, but I think we need to add Aqua Marine <laughs> to our, our to-do list. <laughs> uh, I can't believe we're doing that, but yes, that yes, I, I am was very funny. Yeah, we'll have to put that on our future release schedule. That's hilarious. Mhm uh thankfully movie facts are a little bit uh easier to come by uh Mm -hmm. since this is considered to be a cult classic uh i think a part of that for me personally is because stevie nicks did a um a a couple songs for the soundtrack of this movie uh the soundtrack is a couple original songs for the movie yeah, she did some original songs, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Uh, Stevie Nicks, uh, you know, original witch. She also did, like, other witch content. Like, she did uh, the American Horror sto- Story, like, The Coven season, yeah, which yeah. is also considered, like, a very cult season of that show. People love that season. But yeah. uh, t- speaking of practical magic, I think the thing that actually, like, blew me away 
like most cult classics, it opened up and did not do very well in ticket sales. It only did about $13 million in ticket sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it went around to gross uh, $68 million. So $13 million was just opening weekends, $68 million worldwide. That's what blew me away, what absolutely blew me away, is that this movie in the 90s had a budget of $75 million. That's huge, yeah. That's for the '90s, especially. That's that's a huge budget. And after seeing this movie, I have no idea well, what went into that seventy-five million dollar production budget. I have some ideas, but maybe we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. I do too. But it's just that was just wild to me when I read that number. Uh, there is also a very famous scene in this movie of Sandra Bullock uh, getting drunk mm-hmm. uh with midnight the Margarita. characters midnight margaritas mm-hmm. uh and apparently according to that scene her and nicole kidman actually got very drunk for that scene because they bought some like really bad tequila and was actually drinking it and so like that scene when they seem drunk they are very they much very drunk. drunk so that makes sense <laughs> yeah uh, and the last thing that I did find very interesting is that there is going to be a TV series based on the world of Practical Magic. It's actually going to be the uh, prequel book um, uh, that she has to this. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be about the ants. Um, and it's, yeah. Yep. It's going to be based in this universe. And uh, so I, I'm actually really interested in this because the director is <laughs> Melissa. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> yeah. The director is Melissa Rosenberg, uh-huh. who did um, uh, Jessica Jones, which oh, I think really? is very interesting. And she's done. Oh, and she's, Dexter. Mm-hmm. She's done and Dexter. the Twilight movies. <laughs> exactly. She has literally the perfect experience to do this show where she oh, has done. Good. She's fantastic television she's mm-hmm. done fantastic television and she's also done terrible movies so i think she knows exactly what to do thematically for this tv show so i'm kind of interested in the tv show it's I'm supposed to be coming boring. out in hbo max so we'll see when it comes out uh that makes me so excited i will say i found one other movie fact that i thought was very funny during like my book um, my book research, which is that uh, a real witch consulted on the movie and later threatened to curse the movie because she didn't think she was paid well enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so she ended, she cursed the movie and the film's director uh, performed a real exorcism to help get rid of the curse. I mean, hey. <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> God, <laughs> that's some bad omens right there. Gotta get rid of those. <laughs> So, David, what did you think about this story? I'm dying okay. to know. This is this. I think it's very clear that this story is not made for David for so <laughs> many reasons. Um, you know, it's it's a very spookyish story. It's very mm-hmm. like women empowerment, which is great, and I can get down with those types of stories. Yeah, but I think for me, the hard part was like just this genre of like corny romantic relationships just does not mesh with me it's very similar to twilight believe it or not i have read twilight before so i understand the things the parallels between the two particularly with some characters i i have problems with some of the characters but i would say the book version is closer to like twilight than the movie is i'd agree with that yeah. The movie is its own like time capsule, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It is as 1995 as you can find in a movie. It really is. So I have a hard time criticizing this because it's so very clearly not for me. Mm-hmm. So I I want to be gentle with it because I need to sort of recognize that. It's okay but if you don't like this. It's <laughs> I just, it's just, I'm not into this type of story. I just can't, it was so hard for me to get invested, Mm -hmm. uh, especially within the book. I think, um, so I think (laughs) this has the benefit of being like embedded in my imagination from being very young. And so I think like a lot of what, um, struck me as interesting as and fun was because it was something new I was seeing as yeah. like a very young person. And um and keep in mind I was watching like the made for TV edited version of it. So there's a lot that was like cut out. Like <laughs> I do not remember a lot of like 
the middle part, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like conceptually, like this is super – I still kind of love this universe where like you have these kooky ants and everybody in the Owens family, it's always like two sisters. And so like the story of like sisterhood through generations is very interesting. Um, this approach to magic to me is very interesting where it's more practical, which makes sense for – but like the the characters and the people – um, are still just like eccentric women instead of being like having witchcraft sway them like good or evil, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like it's just like yeah. um, it's like a niche interest of theirs as opposed to something that makes them a good or bad person. And I like I like that approach to magic. I think it's very interesting. Uh, I will say that like the execution of it is not uh-huh. – it's not quite, I think, at the level of where, like, the concept is. I think the concept of, like, two witches who have to, like, deal with one of them accidentally killing her ex-boyfriend and the other one falling in love with the detective who's investigating it is an extremely good setup for a movie. Yeah. And so I really, really like that. Um, but, yeah, I think some, like, the 90s-ness and, like, the sentimentality and, like, the script sometimes gets in the way of that. Um, but, like, Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman are so good on screen that it all feels out yeah. for it. And the two ants – who who plays the two ants? Um, well, let's Diane not let's Weist, not get too – oh, go on, go on. I will just say Diane Weist and Stockard Channing are so good. I could watch them on screen all day long and be fine with it. Yeah, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves on the movie, but I that's the thing is that the setup and an overview of this type of story is mm-hmm. really enjoyable. Like I was sold on it. The idea of like this like magical universe that doesn't really take itself too seriously and it's but it still has some serious tones to it, I could get down for. And yeah. again, there's so many um different content that I love from this era of time that kind of hits that same note that mm-hmm. I I honestly went into this with a very open mind. But mm-hmm. it's just some of the execution, especially in the book, in the and the yeah. book and the movie have very different problems, I would say. Um that it just it just kind of falls flat for me in the end. Again, yeah. it's just it's just something that's definitely not for me. And it's kind of funny that when I think about this and compare it to like some other recent rich con which content i mentioned yeah. like coven that series mm-hmm. of american horror story or that season kind of has similar problems to this um you could tell it was heavily influenced it by it so i don't know let's let's just talk a little bit more about the book i think we need to get into some details here uh yeah let's okay so the book was a little meandering like i think the the movie benefits from it being just a movie, so the script has to be tighter. Mm-hmm. Whereas the book is kind of like, mm, this is kind of what they were like growing up. Mm, and then they grow up and they have kids. Mm, and here's kind of what her kids' lives are like. Mm, and then this plot, this like murder plot happens. Like <laughs> That's the thing is that there is like such a good universe she sets up and then yeah. she can't find a good plot to kind of be the through line for it and like there is sort of one there is like one major problem of this boyfriend being murdered that they need to sort of deal with but Mm -hmm. like they don't like it kind of seems like it gets solved like three times and so then it just keeps going back to it and there's not really like a central through line that you just kind of find it like jumping through hoops sometimes. I I got very bored halfway through this book. Little, yeah, the book was a little bit boring and then I and I really liked like her writing and her voice was good. So yeah. it was like it was an enjoyable book, but like it wasn't like nothing exciting was happening. And for like a book about magic and witches, they solved none of their problems with magic. None. Absolutely <laughs> which is, none. Which is kind of shocking. So like it's fun to see in the movie at least like there's like some magic shenanigans where magic is very much like a tool, like be careful what you wish for. Um, And so they had a little bit of that, like in the beginning of the book where they were telling like very funny stories from like the small town that they grew up in and like these women who would use magic to get what they want. And then it would kind of not, it would be like, you know, like a, 
like a genie story where it wasn't mm-hmm. quite what they wished for. Um, and those were like all of that was very interesting to me. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's no like kind of through line plot point that brought everything together that like kept the tension high throughout the story. So yeah. The, and the, movie, the book was meh. The book was meh. And honestly, that's the thing is the characters in the book, too. I think we're just so one note for the most yeah, part. There's only like up. the only character I really enjoyed that they they ended up not bringing into the movie was the daughter Kylie. It was kind of enjoyable. I think uh, like some things that happened with her, her her like coming of age story at the age of 13. I mean, I'm a sucker <laughs> for those types of stories yeah. uh, and like figuring out herself and her even something as stupid as her, like changing the color of her hair and the ramifications yeah. of that. Like she was a pretty interesting character. Yeah. Yeah. She was a character I could enjoy and honestly had probably my favorite sections of the book it's just the rest of the characters were like frustrating or super horny um which they was were very, very weird they were very horny the whole time and they also like every single character got paired off which i think was a is funny so i mean this book definitely leans more towards romance than anything else we've ever read mm-hmm. um but yeah they're like every woman in this book is so desperate for a dude all the time <laughs> And like, it's like all of them. (laughs) I think that maybe this is just because I don't read romance novels, but honestly, some of the romance parts came out of nowhere and were very (laughs) explicit. And like, I was like, I was just like reading it and then just like out of nowhere, it goes into great detail into some of the things the characters are doing. And I was just like, what am I reading? (laughs) It was like, what has my sister made me do? (laughs) It was a little bit – I think it's different than like a romance because the romance wasn't – it's hard to good. put this book in a genre. Uh, yeah, the romance yeah. wasn't very good. But it also wasn't like the driving for- – like in a romance yeah. book, the driving tension throughout the book is are they going to get together? Mm-hmm. And then if they do get together early, will they stay together? And this didn't have that. Um And so it's not quite – like, the story is – it wanted to be both a romance story and also, like, a story about two sisters learning to understand each other when they're different people. But it, like, didn't know how to do both of those. Like, it wanted to play at being a romance novel when it's not really a romance novel. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I completely understand. And, like, the – romances often feel half-baked i mean there's one romance that literally comes into the last third of the novel and you're supposed to believe it when it doesn't make any sense and i think sometimes there's some hand waving where it's like "Ooh, it's just magic it's just love it's just love love is practical like (laughs) stuff like that so like yeah the book the book especially falls kind of flat for me (laughs) yeah what about the movie how do you feel about the movie so this movie is is crazy. It's um, wild, right? <laughs> it's absolutely wild. Uh, so like, I think the yeah. the hardest thing for me to nail with this movie is tonally. This movie is is crazy. Okay, <laughs> it's all it's, over the place. It's, it's sometimes it wants to be a romance story, and mm-hmm. it's so over the top. But like, mm-hmm. no one has any chemistry, so it doesn't the work. Part, the part where Sandra Bullock is like writing a letter, and it's like. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, she's voiceovering her letter and then it it turns to her like drinking tea like by a windowsill and then like looking at flowers it's 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 a lot it's the most hilarious scene and i could not stop laughing during it and i love it so much david (laughs) this is the thing i was cracking up at that point but here's here's the real problem if it was just like stupid funny romance i would be down with this but yeah. the problem is is it also tries to be uh, a horror movie sure. at some yeah. aspects yeah but then is constantly undermined mm-hmm. by the complete corniness in the yeah. next scene it's- so like so much of this just doesn't work at all and yet and yet i was still entertained because <laughs> it's 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 wild it's it, it, it doesn't make any sense it's pretty much the perfect movie to be a cult classic, and it makes me so happy that it's become one, to be honest, because it does just that. It straddles the line between being this horror movie about the – about and again, like a sister story, 
and then also a completely ridiculous 90s rom-com. Uh-huh. And it switches between them so often. Like, I still cannot get over, like, the scene where Sandra Bullock realizes that she's in love with, like, the delivery guy. I still don't really know his name. Oh, my um, gosh. <laughs> and she, like, she like runs down the street, and then they just start making out in the middle of the street. And it's like, this kiss, this kiss. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> I, Okay. I died during that scene. We had to pause the movie actually for a second because I was laughing too much because it is such a wild 90s scene of just like Sandra Bullock being Sandra Bullock and uh, like the music, the Mm -hmm. lighting, the outfits. It's just all hilarious. I, I was here for like the aesthetic of this movie. I honestly was here for like all of the horror scenes I think are really good. Um, and like they have Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman to carry them. And so like the acting for this ridiculous script is surprisingly good. I love the two of them together. Um, and I don't know. I just, it's so dumb, but in all like the best ways. (laughs) So I really, I love this movie. So like halfway through, I was like, oh, why did I make David do all of this? And then by the end, I was like, good. I'm glad David had this experience (laughs) so he can so you can enjoy practical magic with me. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say that I enjoyed it. I feel like that's a very strong word. I was entertained by parts, but in the spoiler section, I'm going to go over some examples that just kind of like threw me for a complete loop. <laughs> there's a lot. There's but a lot there's so much. But in terms of like a time capsule mm-hmm. for the 90s, it yeah. is it's pretty perfect. It's, it's pretty perfect. Yeah. It's silly. It's all over the place. Yeah. There's uh, a lot it, of ideas. It and it does not juggle any of them very well. <laughs> it has bad effects. It has everything that you would want I out I of mind the effects that much. We'll get into the effects, but there's <laughs> there's just like things that you see that make you laugh unintentionally. There's so many strange things that this- this it's perfect for like a dumb Halloween movie. The soundtrack for this movie was cracking me up nonstop. Oh my gosh, it's like, so on the nose. Most most soundtracks in movies are like there to like help set the tone and like blend one scene into another. This movie takes a completely different approach to soundtracks where they have basically hired the soundtrack version of the Kool-Aid man to come and kick in your wall every chance it gets. It is like every scene, the soundtrack comes punching so hard into it. And you're like, I get it, soundtrack. You're here too. I know they paid for you. They just really wanted to show off Stevie. They really wanted to let you know Stevie had a song in this movie. And they also, like, if there was a scene that you needed to pay attention to, the whoever did the sound mixing for this movie needs to be fired. Because I could not hear the dialogue. And then out of nowhere, the the soundtrack would come in and just destroy the speakers that I had on. Yeah. Uh, so David, uh, would you recommend people read this book? Read this book? Um, no. Uh, yeah, probably. Especially not. for if if you have at all aligned yourself with my taste, do not read this book. It is, it's just kind of boring and a little all over the place. I really wouldn't recommend you read this book. Uh, I might. I probably would agree. I will say though, the prequel has gotten like middling reviews. And the new book that's coming out in October has some pretty solid early reviews. So I might check out what else she's written. If she has a plot that can actually move the story along, that's really all that this needed to carry I it. I, you could forgive the yeah. the poor character growth and like weird decisions the characters make if there was at least a plot that moved things yeah. along. Yeah, the writing was very good and the characters were at least yes. like interesting. But like you said, yeah, there is not much growth and like not a very exciting plot. So it was kind of just like a meandering story. But it wasn't bad writing. It just wasn't exciting writing. Now this movie, though. Amanda, would you recommend people watch this movie? 100% absolutely do it. (laughs) Do it and enjoy it. Because if you go in there expecting to like have like a really serious horror, you have to know that it is a 90s movie, first and foremost. That has some chick flick, 
some rom-com and some horror mixed into this ridiculous stew of a movie that is just so funny to watch. So I definitely recommend watching it. It is something I I have thought about whether or not I should recommend this way too much. (laughs) And I think it's something that at least experience once and you yeah. have to be in the mood for it like you if you're in the mood of people i feel like you have to like be watch able to it with a lot of people yeah uh don't be afraid to laugh at it it's yeah. a great like like d movie thing mm-hmm. plot with sandra bullock and nicole kidman i mean yeah. you have two actresses right there that kind of carry the film so i would recommend it but you definitely have to be in the mood for this type of movie if you love sandra bullock this movie is so in love with sandra bullock so if you love her at all you will also like the enjoy please yeah if you enjoy sandra bullock this is a this is a required watch it is like it is a very sandra bullock especially 90 sandra bullock very 90 sandra bullock yeah when we were all pretending she could still play a nerd Oh my gosh. Like an yes. unattractive nerd, yeah. <laughs> she was supposed to be an unattractive nerd in this movie. I was like, you are no. No, you're absolutely gorgeous. How dare you? I know. All right, let's talk some spoilers. Yeah, I have so much spoilers. to say. <laughs> now, a detective. Is he cute? In a very penal code sort of way, yeah. Is looking for answers. Did you or your sister kill James Angelo? Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, let's just talk about some of our favorite spoily parts we want to discuss. So, Amanda, what are some things for you? Um, my favorite parts of this movie, um, I like I said, I just I love this world. I think it's a really cool world that she's built. I love. I would live in that aunt's house today. I would buy that oh, house. Oh yeah. On um, I was really upset to find out that they had custom built that house, that that is not a real house. Mm-hmm. I would 100% live in that house. I love the crazy old ants that are teasing each other nonstop. I love that. Um, I love just the entire aesthetic of like these two little girls kind of learning magic, but also like baking brownies with their ants. Like everything about it is like so cute and fun. Um, and I just, I just love it. Um, my favorite parts, like specifically, I don't know. It's like a culmination of things. Like you I have, have to, like, <laughs> I have so many things that I, I need to mention. But I will say that the house, especially like, there's just like an atrium in there. It's yes, like the it's green absolutely house is gorgeous. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. The yeah. outdoor, they're like next to the sea. There's mm-hmm. like this. There's this honestly hilarious scene um, where they're trying to kill the detective and poison him with maple syrup. They're trying to whatever, not kill him. Okay, whatever. They put stuff in the maple syrup and they're serving him pancakes and he's investigating them for murder, but he's cool with having pancake breakfast with everybody. (laughs) Okay, detective of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible detective. And there's this like really hilarious scene where the children take the pancakes. And, or take the syrup and just throw it in the ocean. And and their mom is just like, I guess they didn't want syrup. <laughs> and not only is it a funny scene, but it really shows off the setting really well where you're like, this is go- – picture being outside, having pancake banishment breakfast, and you just have the entire um, Atlantic Ocean next to you. It's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. I also loved like like this – the like suburban mom subplot like where they're like it's all a popularity contest and then Jillian comes back in town and helps Sally be on like the top of the like calling tree yeah what is this called help solve the problem at the end I think that's so funny it's it's a great subplot I will say what is this call list is this a thing that exists in the world real world where there's like a call tree Right. This is a thing that existed before the internet existed to, like, help get news I out see. really fast. So if, like, school was, like – if if there was, like, a snowstorm and, like, school was canceled or something like that, like, the school would, like – the teacher would, like, call the one mom and then the mom would – it's a call tree. So the mom would call two moms and then those two moms would call two moms. So you get word out faster and, like, you had, like, a list of people above you and below you. And, yeah, it was framed as, like, a popularity contest. So that's definitely something that's, like, fallen away because of the internet. Um, but, it yeah, it's such a funny subplot. And I love that it comes back to help solve, like, the big problem at the end. 
Yeah, let's talk about that big problem at the end, though. So <laughs> this is the problem that one of them is possessed okay. by an evil spirit. Okay, so here's the thing. Yes, there is this whole plot line where Nicole Kidman gets possessed by her ex-boyfriend that she murdered. Maybe not really. Um, but there's th- this kind of goes into my biggest problem with the movie. And that's well, my biggest problem yet strength with the movie is it's crazy tonal shifts. Okay. <laughs> Because Nicole Kidman is possessed and they need to perform an exorcism to take uh, her her ex-boyfriend out of her, okay? So there is this scene where they do the call tree and they get all the moms to come together. And the score during this is like out of like Halloween Town Disney Channel type movie where it's like do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Okay? And it's like this fun scene of everyone grabbing their brooms, making some potions, getting ready to go for it. Then they all get around Nicole Kidman and everything completely changes. Yes. (laughs) It is like this terrifying scene. It's super crap out of it she is like acting like it is the original like exorcism movie it's it's crazy okay uh and like tonally it's so dark it's out of nowhere slaps you in the face and no joke like 30 seconds later the the like childish theme continues after they take the boyfriend out and it goes back to being undermines everything that just happened and I, I could not I could not stop laughing because <laughs> it's an exorcism preparation yes, scene absolutely and it's and it's it's just it's nuts it's absolutely wild here's okay I'm going to give this movie more credit than it deserves because I think I think the reason why it works is that there's this really strict and again I'm giving it more depth than the story deserves so I completely understand that but this is why it accidentally rings for me like it, it accidentally works for me because there is this experience you have as a woman where you have two congruent lines which is this camaraderie slash competition between other women and then this threat of violence from men. And so, and again, I'm giving it a lot more depth than it deserves, but this movie and this story plays with those two so closely. And it, even though it's like a wild setting and like a wild situation with crazy characters, those two themes are big themes like are like Mm -hmm. resonating themes and the fact that they're tied so closely together to me is very interesting and so like to me it was fun to see that like this entire neighborhood of snippy moms when they were like told the truth about what was happening they're like oh yeah we got to go and save we got to go save this random other woman from you know threats against an ex-boyfriend we can't have that let's all go participate in magic and sweep his ashes out into the backyard together (laughs) i there's something about that that like resonated very well with me and so like like i said i know i was giving this movie a lot more depth than it's actually engaging with uh but it somehow worked for me i don't think you're actually overthinking this i think you're right i think it does have those things i i think that the problem is is not that they don't explore those things well is that they don't do a good job at balancing the two yeah because the transitions from one to another don't get a moment to just breathe like all they needed was like a couple beats to let the seriousness breathe a little bit more and hit harder because then you have that sweeping scene and instead of it being like what the heck is going on here why is this scored like this out of nowhere it's more of a relief and i think the same thing happened with the scene with the boyfriend where there is like a genuinely like crazy scene of him essentially kidnapping them and they find a way to poison him and get around it and then the next scene is like this silly scene of them trying to bring him back to life i guess and Uh, again i I did enjoy i do really independent (laughs) that's the thing independently i both i like both scenes yeah but they're never both scenes need a minute to breathe to transition into each other and i I honestly think it's more of like an editing problem because I don't even think the script itself is very bad. Like the dialogue sometimes feels clunky, but the dialogue is not that bad. 
Um, but like the setup, sh- like I feel like it's a filmography choices that kind of get in the way of it being a better movie. Does that? Oh, don't get me wrong. It's like a quick, like it's one of those like very quick movies that just sort of it's as close. It's 104 minutes long, maybe like nine, a little over 90 minutes of actual runtime. So like, don't get me wrong. This movie speeds on through. It's very tight. Yeah. Um, I actually really love the movie where they're trying. They like accidentally kill him. They were only supposed to knock him out, and so they're like, "Well, if we just bring him back to life, we can just get him out of here, and then we won't." Won't be in trouble for murdering somebody and they like set him up to like breathe this ridiculous ceremony and they're like oh we need something in white to write on him and all they have is a whipped cream can okay very funny i did like that the thing that like the thing that killed me for it is sandra bullock does like you know uh, the uh like a star on him and then takes her finger and gets a little whipped cream off his chest. I love I think what? that's so funny. That's the thing. It cracked me up. But again, tonally out of <laughs> yes. nowhere. And I think that's where half the comedy yeah. comes from. Is to- It's just jumping I so think, wildly. I think maybe, like, if this movie was created today, it would have been, it might have been made more as, like, a dark comedy with some romantic aspects in it. And I think that would have been a stronger, more enjoyable movie because of it. If they would have leaned hard into the dark comedy, I feel like this movie would be 10 out of 10. Oh, absolutely. Now, I'm glad that you mentioned the romance because (laughs) there is some scenes in the beginning of this movie that are just crazy. Every single introduction to the romantic partners are so over the top. So, like, the first one is, like we said, the most 90s scene ever where Sandra Bullock is running in the middle of the street with the score blazing, <laughs> the sun at her, on her back, and they, like, mm-hmm. make out in the middle of the road. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman's is also equally as 90s and equally as weird, where the, she's in, like, this dark I do hallway. not remember this scene at all. <laughs> it is so weird and this is why i know you definitely watched this alone as a kid um i think they cut this scene out i do not remember this scene as a kid at all they had to have so like this scene has uh nicole kinman's not yet boyfriend they have not talked yet the first thing he does meeting her is uh (laughs) take like a bandana or something and put it over her eyes his tie Okay, terrifying. Okay, what girl wants to be introduced to someone with a blindfold over her eyes and then yeah. like wet whispering into her ear? It's like very early like Christian Grey. It's like very 90s like version of Christian Grey, I feel like. It's so weird. <laughs> it's like another scene where I, was, I had to like pause. Like, bleh, bleh, bleh. Stop that. Bleh. <laughs> it's like <laughs> – I was just like, what are we watching? Like, I did think I, this, I know. All the scenes with her and her boyfriend were ridiculous. There's like a part where they're trying to show how like um, possessive he is of her. And she like gets up to go to the bathroom. And he's like, where do you think you're going? She's like, I'm just going to the bathroom. And he's like, let's go together. And she's like, what? And he's like, haha, just kidding. <laughs> it was so, so awkward and funny. Super weird. <laughs> Yeah, the romances uh, were crazy. I still like I the two dudes that Sandra Bullock are into are so nondescript. I could not tell you what they look like right now. Like I have already forgotten about I've just watched this movie. I've already forgotten about them. I do not remember either of their names. Yeah, let's talk. Let's actually speaking of that, this is a good jump into like some of the most surprising changes they made. Because yeah. when I was reading the book, before I watched the movie, I was like, okay, this plot is super boring. Yeah. What would I do to try to make this more interesting? And my first note was like, introduce the detective earlier, because mm-hmm. the detective in the book is introduced like last third, last quarter of the book. It's yeah. weird. It doesn't really work. So I was like, just introduce him earlier. Then you have like the threat of the dead boyfriend a little bit more looming. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would be a good thing. And that's exactly what this movie does. Mm-hmm. Now, the detective character, however, is not interesting even <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> He's so boring. His line delivery is like he's in the middle of falling asleep. (laughs) He has like this southern draw from like, first of all, it's from like Arizona, but he sounds like he's from like, like Alabama. Yeah. Um, And it like the deep 
Alabama and South, and like yeah. you can't really understand anything he's saying. And you could tell it's just like terrible accent work. Yeah. He also Sandra Bullock is such a youthful person too. Like yeah. it's like her skin is beautiful. Like she looks like in this movie, like she could be 22. He looks mm-hmm. like he is almost 50. <laughs> seriously so old and i actually looked it up and i I was like why did they pair sandra bullock with this old dude and they're only five years there's only a five-year difference between them what that dude looks easily 20 years older than her (laughs) he looks like he's in his late 40s and she looks like she's maybe in her early 30s maybe maybe late 20s yeah, that's him as a character in both the book and movie, which is like hilarious because it. here's the thing. The movie does a better job at it because the movie kind of establishes something that the book didn't really do. And that's like the women in this family have like um, like really attract men in this weird magical way. But mm-hmm. they also have like a curse. Was yeah. Did I just like forget the curse in the book? Was the no, curse in the book was- like more implied than it no. was said? There was no curse. There was no explicit curse in the book, which I was kind of surprised mm-hmm. about when I read it, uh, yeah. because I thought it was like the main romantic hurdle in the movie uh, is that anybody that the sisters fall in love with, like genuinely fall in love with, dies um, because of like a vow that their great 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 grandmother made um, when when she was like scorned, mm-hmm. um, which is. I actually didn't realize that, like, for some reason in my head, I thought that, like, the spell that young Sally does to attract, like, this impossible guy, which is hilarious, by the way. She's like, he has one blue eye and one green eye, and he likes stars. It's an impossible person. He likes to – he's real good at flipping pancakes. (laughs) (laughs) What an impossible man to get. An impossible man to find. (laughs) that was so funny um but uh i honestly can't remember i was just thinking about how ridiculous that scene was <laughs> oh um, but the the curse yeah so i thought for some reason that the spell that young sally performs is what will break the curse for her that that person won't die but no they end this story and she still has the curse on her. So that dude's going to, their romance is not ending in a happy, that dude's going to die soon. <laughs> yeah. They like imply that she broke the curse, but like, I didn't like see anything that would suggest that. So like, no. I thought the same thing, like, Oh, this dude's just going to die in a couple years. Yeah. I I honestly thought that was part of the, like my memory of this movie was that part of the plot is her breaking this curse so she could be with this detective guy. But no, that doesn't happen at all. No, they just make no. out at the end. <laughs> yeah, they just make out. Now, I the one thing that I, I actually did enjoy about the book that they do change in the movie is that magic is a little bit more hush-hush. It isn't, like, yeah. at the forefront. Like, yeah. in the movie, Sage Bull is just stirring her tea. All the kids know about <laughs> magic. Magic is just a regular thing. And it felt very cartoony, while in the mm-hmm. book, like, I get the name's Practical Magic, but it just felt like more, like, everyday, like uh like consequential stuff or like um like it was just very uh like a little all over the place where it's like you can make an argument that there was magic but maybe there wasn't and you don't know what it is and i kind of like that approach to it anytime the book was like oh use this herb to cure this and like if you're feeling like this put this on your doorstep or like well like anytime it was any of that i thought that was super cool and fun um and yeah, the movie uses it a little bit, but just in like really funny over the top plot points and not really in the playful way that the book does. So that is like the one thing the book I feel like did a little bit better. Yeah, there's also uh, the answer more involved in the movie, which I think is great. I love that. But it, there is this there is this weird scene in the mid at like, so there's this scene where they just decide they're like, Okay, we should leave. And then they leave and then come back at the end for convenience. Why did they leave? What um, What did that do for them? I think it's just – I feel like 90s movies did this all the time where they were like, oh, these two super powerful people could probably solve everything right now. So we're just going to do like 
reasons why they should leave. And they were just like pissed at they're like, you solve your own problems because they were they refused to be like honest with them the day before. So in a, like a petty, they're like, fine, you deal with the corpse in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. It's super weird. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mind it so much. It's it's a little bit like suspension of disbelief with stories like this. Yeah. Uh, also, the kids in the movie are younger, which, you know, in some ways I enjoy because you get that great maple syrup scene where they throw it into the ocean and it's hilarious. Uh, but also the kids in the book tended to be the characters I'd like to yeah. like read about. So it was a mixed bag. I don't necessarily think it's a bad or a good thing. I liked the younger kids because it let us focus on just Jillian and Sally and their relationship, which in the movie, they carry a lot of the weight because of Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. In the book, they're a little bit more boring with each other, so I could see why she like added in more characters to make it more interesting. But I feel like the the young like there wasn't enough like sisterly like reconciliation in the book for me. Like I feel like that was like the main focus of the movie, which I really liked. That's true. Uh yeah, in the book too, just like Sally Owens in the book just sucks. Like she's like as a character. I'm sorry. I could not stand her character whenever I was reading it. It was a bit of a (laughs) know-it-all. It was it was just like that nerd that you just can't stand. And like some of the decisions and her reactions make zero sense. And her just like banging the detective out of nowhere. Yeah. Just super weird like like let me paint this picture for you this very (laughs) like like sexy scene it's raining it's musky there's a dozen fried chicken wings in in the seat next to them and they think oh also he is she is confessing to murder to him yeah this is the worst detective of all time so of course they're going to bang of course they're and he like actively helps him cover up a murder at the end. And in the in the movie, I buy it because he has that horrific um, scene where the ghost comes out of out of Jillian and tries to attack him. And ugh, that like the part where he like grabs his badge and he has that horrible yeah. like th- like star in his hand. Ugh, disgusting. Um, but like he's almost like okay, this is more supernatural stuff than I can handle or explain. So I'm just going to say this horrible dude who has murdered other people died in this fire somewhere else. And I'll plant the ring to make it make sense. Um, But in the book, he's just like, I'm horny. So you got off with the murder. (laughs) Yeah. Also, the way he falls in love with her is he found a note that uh, Sally wrote to Jillian (laughs) scolding her for her decisions and how awful it does not seem like a nice person in that note. Any normal person would read that letter and be like, wow, this person's kind of like a jerk. They're really going at it at their sister. And like, he's like, yes, this is my perfect woman. I need to seek this person out because in the book, it's very clear that he's not there to investigate anything. He is there to find Sally and that's it. And it makes no sense. It's a little wild, yeah. Uh, any other changes you want to mention? Uh, no. Do you want to do some nitpicks? Oh, gosh. I mean, here's the thing. is This, it, this movie in particular is impossible to nitpick because every it's nitpick so wild from is, beginning to end. is just – everything's a nitpick. And when yeah. everything's a nitpick, that's just the movie. Yeah. So whatever. I wanted more – I like that the movie gave us more like brewing potions and like testing magic stuff. I wanted more. Um, And in the movie, the detective's eyes were not two different colors. They were just blue eyes. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, okay, when I said earlier that there's bad effects, in hindsight, there's really not that many bad effects. This is only a couple years after Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, So, like, the effects are okay. But let me tell you, the effect that they show very briefly that he has two colored eyes was awful. It's pretty bad. It was so terrible. Colored contacts. This was made in a time of colored contacts. And I can't believe it took Sandra Bullock to the romantic scene to notice he has two different colored eyes she's been looking at him for days now (laughs) what a wild thing no but there's so much i loved about it i loved her like cute little shop that was very like like that shop could does exist today where it's like really expensive like home brewed 
like like she's basically like the essential oils lady before essential oils came about. Um, I loved, I loved all of the actors in it, all their like sisterly relationships, and I loved everything dumb and goofy. It was such an enjoyable movie to watch again. So speaking of dumb and goofy, there is one scene that I feel like we have to mention. We okay. have to talk about because it is the one that probably threw me for a loop the most. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, so if you I always watch the trailer before I watch these movies now. And in the trailer, there's like this really fun scene of them dancing around a table and it just looks like people having fun and it's great, whatever. Um, there's just the, like random part where the ants are making margaritas at night and yeah. then the two sisters turn to each other and it's supposedly midnight and they're just like midnight margaritas uh first of all the adult in me midnight margaritas sounds like a recipe for heartburn and me not sleeping the entire night i can't imagine waking up in the middle of sleeping and don't only have booze to then turn around and fall back asleep again this is like a lot of work Uh, but that's not the wild part. Okay, I can I can vibe with Midnight Margaritas. The wild part is they go downstairs and there is this scene of them not drinking the margaritas, dancing with the margaritas around the table while put a lime in the coconut plays. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, Amita. It was like out of the Friends sitcom. Basically. It was it was just out of nowhere, and it, I was not prepared for it in any sort of way. It The camera work made me genuinely sick to my of, stomach. A lot of spinning, yeah. It's so much spinning. And I get it. The scene is actually supposed to be a little uncomfortable, and then it gets more uncomfortable later on. Yeah. But, like, I... I didn't know what to think during that scene because the song is ridiculous. What they're doing is ridiculous. The setup is ridiculous. There was no basis for this at all. Like none of their relationships dictated that they would ever have midnight margaritas or dancing around a table or singing, put a lime in the coconut. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it was in line with everything else. Cause they were like, like, I love that scene when um, little Sally and Jillian first show up to their aunt's house and their aunts are like, in this house, we never do our homework, and we have brownies for dinner. And I think it's so funny. And so, to me, it makes sense that they would also wake each other up in the middle of the night to make midnight margaritas. Um, and I do love, like, this, like the scene before that is, like, this voiceover scene where they're making the margaritas, but it sounds like they're making a potion. And then all of a sudden, they make the margarita mix. They make the blender go, and you realize it's margaritas. And I think that's very fun. So I didn't hate it. But like I said, I feel like it's like editing choices and like you don't really know what the tone is. Like I said, if this was going to be a dark comedy, I feel like they could have done that and made it fun and enjoyable while still having this dark undertone. Because that scene is great because it turns into like an interrogation scene essentially where the ants are trying to find out what's really going on. Um, And it like devolves into like them – being too honest with each other about what they think of each other. And then also they realize like, this is the tequila that what's his name was drinking and they smash the bottle in the sink and everyone's like, okay, what's actually happening? So I like the scene. I think it's, it's interesting, but it, like you said, it's a tonal problem where like, we don't know if this is supposed to be fun. If it was just a dark comedy it treats it like it's a romantic comedy, which it shouldn't be. It should always be a dark comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I honestly, the next scene that follows that is one is probably my favorite scene in the movie of like realizing what was actually going on because it yeah. is uncomfortably shot. I think yeah. that's when everything sort of aligns well. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't want to say that I disliked Midnight Margaritas, guys. I did not dislike it. I want to say that, like, my feelings on that scene are still a question mark. That's what I'm trying to get. Like, my feelings... I don't think I'm ever going to be done processing that scene. I don't think there is an end point where I'm like, all right, I know how I feel now. I know. This movie is so funny because you're, like, on board for, like, a couple of scenes, and you're like, okay, I know what this movie is. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, it's this completely other movie where bananas things are happening and people are goofy and we have Cheryl Crow playing in the background. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love – it's so wild. It's wild that this movie came to be, and I love it. 
And like the very end of this movie too is the ultimate suspension of disbelief where at this point <laughs> all the town knows that they're witches and they all come to their house they're on Halloween with it. and see them float down as witches and everyone now knows magic exists and it's just like yeah sure why not <laughs> and everyone's that everyone was cool with it. Yeah, every time I see that scene it's a cool scene but every time I see it like they make jokes about it a couple of times throughout the movie where they're like you should see us on Halloween we fly off the roof. But like I don't understand like everything else has always been like yeah it's a little bit of magic but also it's not at the same time like it's supposed to be practical, right? That's the whole point. And, but like this is literally just them jumping off of a roof. Like there's no like like, I thought it was going to be like, oh, we like bungee jump off the roof or like, oh, like there's like a practical reason why this is not quite magic, why you can believe it's magic, but it's not quite magic, right? That's like where their sweet spot is. But no, at the end of this movie, they're just like, yeah, we just float around while we're witches. <laughs> and the whole town's like, yeah! <laughs> I want to see the sequel to this when the U.S. government realizes that magic exists, invades the town, kidnaps the sister, then the de- the detective needs to get them out and there's a serious spy scene but they're doing like witch stuff and they break themselves out and then it's a reversal he gets captured and then they need to get him out of the high security thing i don't know there's a sequel somewhere in that i know i'm honestly really excited that like content for this universe is still coming out that's what gets me is that listen in the end i think i can land on i didn't really enjoy this however (laughs) I am like still very happy that it exists. Yeah. Um, for the people that really need it. And like the fact that this type of thing can continue to live on to the point where it's getting an HBO show and yeah. it's gonna become like at least I don't know if future HBO is gonna still have the reputation of previous HBO of being like high class television, but like, yeah, I'm happy that it gets to have a shot. So yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something wild here. To me, okay. this, this feels like the original Blade Runner movie, where like it's not necessarily that like the original Blade Runner movie is so boring, but it's so interesting at the same time. And it's almost like it's not that that movie is what I want to exist, but like the ideas around and in that movie are fun and new and exciting to play with. And that's kind of how I feel about this movie, which I know is a, is a wild statement. I'm going to tell you right now, as soon as you said this is kind of like Blade Runner, I almost was like, <laughs> I should shut this podcast down. I have failed at my job. We I are not wild. doing things it right. It's only in like this weird conceptual way that like it's not that this movie is good, but that the ideas and the weird mix of ideas in this movie are so fun that I'm glad someone has introduced it and that other people can be inspired by it to then go and make different things. Does that make sense? It does make sense, but I would also push back and say that Blade Runner is a good movie, but have you, have you watched the original Blade Runner anytime, like anytime recently? Uh, It depends what, okay. This is going to devolve into a terrible conversation because now I'm going to ask you which cut of Blade Runner that you watched and we cannot go down that path right now. I I refuse to go down that path. I do have Blade Runner as an adaptation that we want to tackle in season two. So we will have this conversation later. We will have this conversation for later. I like don't know if I can get into this right now. Practical magic during that episode. What have I done? All right, guys. Well, that'll be a wrap for us today. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe so you automatically get updated when new episodes come out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, And if you enjoyed anything we talked about in the last hour, please leave us a review and tell your friends. Uh, Thankfully, there hasn't been any too crazy reviews, so because typically I will read them in a very hilarious voice. So why don't you... The longer, the more complicated the vocabulary, the better. Just tell us a really funny story and we'll make David read it in a really funny voice. Or tell us what you think of Practical Magic, because this is something that I want to hear everyone's opinion on, to be honest. Tell us if you think that Practical Magic is exactly like Blade Runner and that David should just shut his cat hole. (laughs) I can't believe you compared Blade Runner and Practical Magic. I feel like I defended it, though. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at Adaptive Pod on all those platforms. And you can send us suggestions on what we should talk about next. Uh, we're putting together our season two playlist. So if you have something in mind that you want us to talk about, shoot us an email at stuff at adaptedpod.com. And special thanks to Catloaf for our intro and outro music. You are listening to the track Astoria Ditmars. Uh, you can and should absolutely go listen to more Catloaf on Spotify. It's very fun and cool. It's no Stevie Nicks, but who can be Stevie Nicks? <laughs> who can be? Uh, so, Amanda, what are we going to be doing next? Ooh, we have something special for Halloween. We will be covering Silence of the Lambs. It will be coming out just two days before Halloween. So be sure to tune in and see how we rate that adaptation. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for that. That one is an actual spooky uh, <laughs> Not a big uh, spooky. <laughs> not, not what we did today. Today was a little bit more spoof spooky. Which yeah, uh, spoof, spoof. There's a place for it. There's exactly. a place for it. Yeah. Gotta mix it up every once in a while. Gotta mix it up. We can't so, fingers every time, David. We can't. We can't. Uh, until then. Until then. I'll see you tonight for Midnight Margaritas. Uh, uh, I just like, I can't even make a joke. It's so hard. Until then. if you Just remember, if you ever accidentally kill someone, don't resurrect them into an evil spirit in your backyard. Until then, remember to never trust your maple syrup. Always throw it in the ocean. Guaranteed way to make sure you won't be banished. How funny was it when that toad just like spit up that ring? It was such a long. It was amazing. <laughs> it just like this. <laughs>